What are you going to do when you walk out of here? Conform to the world? Do what the prince of the power of the air wants you to do? Or say, Jesus, I know you. You know me. I am intimate with you. I want to do things your way. I love you so much. Thank you for showing me the way. I want to spend time in your word. Not because I have to, because I want to. Because I love you so much. I want to spend time worshiping you. Not because I have to, because I want to. Because I love you so much. When we truly have repented and we truly have become saved, we are a new creation that wants to be with God. You want it. Otherwise, you did not get saved because you probably didn't repent properly. Lots of people have run to the front in millions of churches around the world and put their hands in the air and say yes to Jesus. And in an emotional moment, they think they're making a decision. But for many people, it was just a hype moment and the fruit is not on their lives. And it's not just that the church is to blame. It's that we don't take the Word of God seriously. We want to sort of have seconds from someone else. When God has said, no, it's available to all. Hello and welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. I just want to tell you up front, I love you. I love you so much. You guys are amazing. <laughs> no, but um, I really mean that. Um, and I, I love you so much that I, I have to tell you the truth of God's Word. Because it's, it's the truth of His Word that, that sets free. The Bible says that the Word of God is like a two-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow. And we are going to see how He does that today. Amen? So, we are starting a new series today. And... I'm going to start off today with a bit of an introduction that might sound like an announcement, but it's because it is in a way, but it's actually just announcing what we're heading into and what I believe God wants us to do in this month. And the new series is called, Who Shall Ascend? Who Shall Ascend? It'll make more sense in a few moments. And today the message title is, Who Shall Stand? And I'll explain that a bit more in detail. But for now, I want to just take a moment and, you know, say to you, my beautiful church family, we are nearing the end of the year. How many of you can believe it's November? <laughs> it's just, how did that even happen? But we are here. We are in the, it's Afrikaans will say, it's almost at the end. I just realized that word sounds not great in English, but... It's a good word in Afrikaans, I promise. Uh, <laughs> some American people are going, what is this guy saying? It's the end of the year and the end of the race. Um, and it's also our church's birthday month. Come on. We are turning two on the 22nd of November. Oh my word, it's going to be two on the 22nd of 2022. I thought a lot of twos. Yeah. And... 
the, the number 22 has been quite significant in, in between my wife and I, especially in her life. And so I'm, I'm sensing something very exciting. And we want to take this birthday month and focus on three main things. We're going to focus on firming up our faith foundations. We want to make sure that we all stand on firm faith foundations, especially those of you who may have joined us during this year. We want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And part of that, we want to verify the church, church's vision and values in each of our hearts. Because the reason for that is when we get to the end of a process where we can all come together and say, these are our foundations based on the Word of God, and we understand the heart, the mission, and the vision of this local church, then what we will have is unity. And the Bible says in Psalm 133, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Would you like to be a blessed church that is effective for the kingdom? Then that's what we need to do. And thirdly, we want to welcome, celebrate our new members and our existing members. So this is kind of going to be that focus. Um, on a quick side note, if you haven't noticed yet, uh, Christmas and New Year's Day fall on a Sunday this year. And we will be having church on those days. They won't be, in other words, normally we would have a, like two services, but we'll, we'll focus on having a service on that Sunday, on those Sundays. So for those of you who are around um, in the area, please come and join us. Um, I still need to make sure that the school, this is available, uh, or we will have another venue We'll see what God does. It's very exciting. It's very adventurous. Um, okay. So we are launching a foundation series called Who Shall Stand for the, for the next four weeks. And we'll take two of our faith foundations per week. I'll tell you just now what our foundations are. And the idea is to use Psalm 24 as a backdrop to going through the foundations and to make sure that we all understand what it actually is that we believe. Because I don't know about you, but I find that the, if I ask people who call themselves Christians, explain repentance, explain to me salvation, explain to me what it means to be born again, explain to me like I've never heard it before. Most of them go, duh, 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 duh. I don't know. Or they, they start sort of, you know, waffling about and that you realize the average Christian is not equipped to give an explanation for the hope that they have in Jesus. So this is an equipping moment. It's also a moment where we just want to make sure that if anyone in the Helderberg stops you at the, at the Winkel, at the, at the Spar, and says to you, hey, why are you a Christian? Why do you believe this? That you'll be able to tell them. And that you're also equipped to share your, your testimony. Amen? So there's four Sundays in November, not five like last month. And we are going to uh, celebrate the church's birthday on the 20th of November. And we want to make it one big celebration moment where we can come together and have fun. The kids are going to have a party at Kids Church, and we want to make it a really a special occasion. I have no ideas as to how we're going to do that yet. So I'm open for suggestions. Um, I would love for the team that helped us with Let's Feast to maybe help me come up with some ideas of how we can make that special. Um, this will be separate from our membership moment. We're going to create a membership moment on the 4th of December. We, uh, we did look at doing it at the end of the month. For those of you who are wondering why I don't just do it at the end of the month, but my beautiful wife is not here on that Sunday. So we are going to, and she needs to be here. She's, you know, 
It's very important. So we're going to have a birthday celebration on the 20th, and then on the 27th, we are on the 4th of December, we will have a membership moment. And the idea is that those of you who are already see yourself as members, we did this last year as well. We had a little moment where we said, hey, if you're a member, to give us your name. And, and we had a moment where we just celebrated those. So for those who are still on that list, I know some have left us, some have moved. But if you are still considering yourself, hey, I'm a member of Love Key Church. And for those of you who joined us recently, and for those of you who are sitting here right now thinking, man, I want to be in this church. I want to invite you to do the following, similar to what Aleta asked earlier. I think the easiest way for us to know who sees themselves as this and we can make a list and get the certificates and stuff that we want to make right is for you to send us a Telegram message or a WhatsApp to the number that the church we gave you earlier. Say, me and my wife or me myself or me, my wife, my kids, here are our names. We are members of this church. Short, sweet, you can do it right now, please. If you don't have the number on your phone yet, then you're already behind. Um, but please do that right now. Take your phone, and, and now we can see who sees themselves as members as well. You're caught out. I'm kidding. The other option, if you don't want to do that right now, please email us at info at lovekey.co.za and say, hey, me and my spouse, me and my family, or whoever, whatever your home setup is, we see ourselves as members of this church. That way we can compile a list. We can draw up beautiful certificates that we would like to sign and where you just say, hey, this is me saying I'm part of this church. Can you get excited about that? Yeah. All right, great. This is not to be, you know, make you part of anything other than I'm just making a commitment to this local church and saying this is my, this is my home church. Does that make sense? Is that something you guys want to do? Great, because we're doing it anyway. Um, all right. So I, on that note, because we're seeing this month as a family moment and as a very important foundations teaching moment, I want to encourage each and every one of you to please come to every service this month. If you have made plans, cancel them and <laughs> come to church. If you have made plans, I'm kidding in a way, but if, if you have made plans, just make sure you watch it, either live or you listen afterwards and go through it because it makes no sense if we say we are part of this church, but we don't even know what we believe and why we believe it. And I want you all to, by the end of November, we should all be on the same page. Do you understand that focus, that heart? Okay. Um, because then we can move forward and we can make a change. Once there's unity in a church, it's unstoppable. It's really unstoppable. And I believe in that unity, we'll also see how God opens up doors to the venue, how he opens up more um, open doors with people coming to our church. And that's what we want to see. We want to see the Helderberg saved. We want to see the Wineland saved. We want to see Boland saved. We want to see South Africa saved. Amen? Awesome. Cool. So I think that's everything in terms of the announcement kind of stuff. Um, Yes, wonderful. All right. So to get to the foundations, this is the plan to work through these foundations and the reason for the foundations in this, this month. And then I'm going to get into the scripture and why we're doing this. And God showed me something really exciting that I'm so, so chuffed to share with you today. And I'm personally very challenged. I want you to know that whenever I stand here and I preach the word of God, 
It's not because I've arrived and I'm doing it every day, all day, exactly the way I'm preaching it. It's because God showed me something and I had my moment in my studio, on my knees or in my chair where I went, wow, okay, now help me share this because we are on this journey together, amen? And I hope that you realize that and, and understand it that way. So the foundations we're going to look at, there are eight main ones, repentance, salvation, Faith, Lordship and obedience, baptism with water, baptism with Holy Spirit, spiritual family or local church, and discipleship. The reason why we want to lay these foundations is that each and every one of us can be sure of our identity, who we really are, who we were made to be, so we can be sure of our purpose, and so we can be better marriage partners, either currently or future and better parents, either now or later, and be a positive influence on our community by bringing the kingdom of God wherever we go. So that's the reason why. If we don't have, if we don't have solid foundations, we will be shaky in every other area of our lives. Amen? And I know that you, some of you who have been in this church, and, and I've even heard people that haven't been in this long, he says, you talk about salvation a lot. I do. Because I believe a lot of people don't really know what it means. And they don't take it seriously enough. And the reason why our nation says 84% of us are Christian, but it looks like hell, is because the average Christian doesn't understand what it means to be saved. And they aren't really saved. Because if you're... Okay, I'm going to get into that. So, see, I'm already, I get so excited because I, I can't even help myself. The basic foundations, um, we're going to first see in the Scripture what... The, the author of Hebrews, in other words, someone who's speaking to the church of God, what does he see as foundational principles that are elementary? In other words, listen, buddy, you needed to pass this in grade one of Christianity. This should not be something that you wonder about, that you don't have down pat. All right. So let's read Hebrews 6 from verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. What is the point? Perfection. This lines up with Ephesians 4, which says, why are we doing this? Why do we have the gifts of the fivefold ministry? It's in order to become more like Christ. It says, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. What is he saying? You should know these things. You should understand these things. You should not wonder about them. How many of you have all those basic principles down pat? You can explain it to me right now. Anyone? Good. That's why we're doing a foundation series. Wonderful. All right. Our series anchor scripture or main scripture comes from Psalm 24, verse 1 to 6. Listen to this. This is so beautiful. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Whether you want to or know it or not, you belong to God. For he has founded it upon the seas and establish it on the water, waters. Now listen to this. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol 
nor sworn deceitfully. He, this person with clean hands and a pure heart who hasn't lifted up his soul and hasn't sworn, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And this lines up with a psalm a bit earlier in the book of Psalms, 15 verse 1. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Amen. So the question we have here is who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in the holy place? Our series is about foundations will be this. Who can ascend? Who are these people that are allowed, that are able to even come close to where God is? Who are these people who are able and allowed to stand in the holy place? We see from this, it's those who have clean hands, a pure heart, who has not lifted up their souls to idols who have not lied and twisted the truth for their own gain. For who is it possible to move towards and be in the presence of God? Why is this even a question? Because God is holy. What is unholy? Sin. When the man and woman in the garden back in the beginning sinned against God by disobeying Him. Their sin caused a divide, a division between God and mankind. Because of sin, man was separated, cut off from the intimate closeness of God. That was God's plan. He wanted to be close. He wanted to be intimate. He wanted nothing between His creation and Him. Amen? Now, it says, only someone whose hands are clean, in other words, someone who's free of sin, and someone who has a pure heart, in, order, in other words, a soul surrendered not to others, but only to God that has been made new by God, someone who has not lifted up their soul to idols or have lied, such a person shall receive righteousness. All right, so that's what he's saying there. Now, why are we talking about this? Because what? What David is showing us in this psalm is that there is a difference between where God is and where man is in his natural state. And we need to recognize that. Why? Because some of us may be in a place still where we are doing what we want to do from our sinful nature. And we are not in the place where we're doing what God wants us to do. And the other reason we are doing this is because there is a general sense in many Christian movements where the emphasis is put on a doctrine of grace to such an extent that people think, because God is love, I'm okay. Because God is gracious, I'm okay. I don't have to do anything. I just have to believe that Jesus exists. This is a lie that gets people to a point where they live the way they want to live and think they are heading to heaven one day with God for eternity. And this needs to be addressed and sorted out. And we all need to be made sure, make sure that we understand this. Amen? 
Paul says in, his, in one of his letters that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's a serious matter. In no way am I saying to you today, if you know that you know you've given your life to Christ, that you need to worry. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that we need to go through these principles and make sure that I know that I know I've given my life to Christ. And one of the best ways to know is to see the fruit on my life. Amen? Okay, so we're going to look at this. I'm going to read us a couple of scriptures where we see what is our human state before we know Jesus. Because it's important to see the contrast. Remember, you can either stand in the holy place or not. You are either born again and saved and walking with Jesus or not. There isn't an in-between option. I have not come across it in the Bible. If you have, come and show me, but I don't think you'll find it. All right, let's read together. Ephesians 2 from verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as the others but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus can you see the contrast before Jesus, after Jesus. Before Jesus, you are dead in your trespasses, heading for hell. In Christ Jesus, it's a whole different story. All right, we're going to get more into that. Paul confirms this sort of similar train of thought in Colossians 1 from verse 21. He says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in his body, in the body of his flesh, through death to, pr to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Who can ascend the hill? Who can stand in the holy place? If indeed you continue in the faith. Ooh, there's an if. If indeed... You continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to you, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Can you guys see, just in that verse, we can see that making a decision to follow Christ is not the end of the road. It's actually the beginning of the road with Jesus. And that there's an if to stay in the holy place. A constant daily reminder that I am a new creation. I need to live like one. Amen? So what do we see here? As, what is our state as humans before Jesus? We are all born in sin. And without Jesus, not connected to him, we are. And because of this, we are headed for an eternity of hell separated from God. The Bible says the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. And it's eternal. Eternal death, 
separation from God, which is hell. There is an eternity that we all need to be aware of. I find one of the most concerning things among Christians or people who call themselves Christians is an absolute lack of urgency about the fact that there is an eternity waiting. If you really knew that you and the people around you can go at any given moment, we don't know when someone will die. You don't know when you will die. And therefore, you don't know when you will enter eternity and you don't know that when the people around you will enter eternity. But we just kind of casually go around, you know, not having that urgency. Do we love people enough to not want them not want to see them go into an eternity separated from God. Guys, there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is an eternity. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't you realize that one of the best lies the enemy can help you believe to, to further his mandate is for you to believe there is no hell, there is no devil. He's one. We each of us have a decision, a choice on this side of eternity, which will determine where we spend eternity. And we can see from the scriptures that before Jesus and apart from him, we are broken, we are lost, we are slaves to our flesh and our carnal desires. Remember I said in the worship, we will follow something because we were made to follow. What are we following? What is our master I want to talk to you now about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in the holy place? Who will be in the presence of God? Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 4, verse 17. This is after he was baptized and when he started his ministry. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus uses the word repent, which is our first foundation. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus says that repentance precedes entry to the kingdom of heaven. No repentance, no kingdom of heaven. Can you see that? If you don't believe me, John 3 from verse 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He is the top Pharisee of the time in that area. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Firstly, he says, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he says, you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are born again, which is our second foundation, salvation. 1 Corinthians 6 from verse 9. Do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? All right, now we're going to get into some tough stuff. 
We need to be sure of what is right and wrong according to God. Otherwise, how will we know what's righteous and what is not righteous according to Him? Because who can ascend the hill? One who has clean hands and a pure heart. That person is righteous. He is made righteous. Amen? And the righteousness is what makes us clean before God. 1 Corinthians 6 from verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He has just said that you can only enter and see the kingdom of God if you are born again. Now Paul is explaining to the church, you cannot, um, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Why would he say that? Because they were deceived. You don't say to someone, don't be deceived if they are completely thinking the right way. He's saying to them, do not be deceived. And then he gets into a very infamous, controversial piece of scripture. He says, neither fornicators, those are people who have sex before marriage. You're a fornicator. Idolaters, people who decide that they want to follow something other than God and make it the most important in their lives, nor adulterers, people who cheat on their spouses, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. So he's talking to people who say, I know where you come from. I know what God has saved you from. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Once again, he's contrasting, he's saying, this lifestyle, no kingdom. Through Jesus, you are changed, washed, sanctified. Yes, you can enter. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. The only way. Paul confirms this to his letter to the Galatians. He says in Galatians 5.19, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. We see a massive rise in witchcraft right now in the world. Hatred, contentions, jealousies. Anyone feel jealous about someone? It's on the list. Outbursts of wrath. Angry outbursts, selfish ambitions, me, 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 I want, I want, I want to get ahead, I want to step on whoever I need to step on to make something happen, dissensions, I don't agree, there's no unity, heresies, speaking falsehoods about God, envy again, same as jealousy, stronger, stronger feeling, murdering people, being drunk, revelries means heavy parties and the like, so the list actually goes on. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What does it mean to, what does it mean to practice something? You do it actively. What do we also use the word practice for? To become better at something. You are practicing to be better at sin. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. Matthew 7 verse 21. This one should make us all take a moment. Because now, previously I spoke very clearly about people and how they were before Jesus. People in the world, people who are lost. 
But look at what Jesus says to some people who may think they are Christians, who may think they are believers. Matthew 7 verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, he's talking about the end of, day, end of time, end of days, the, the, end, the last time when, when Jesus returns. Many of me will say on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Lord, have we not done the right things? Lord, did I not say the right things, belong to the right church, do the right things? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Whew, that's a tough one. But Lord, I did all these things and I used your name. And Jesus says, I never knew you. What does that mean? You never stepped into a relationship with me. Because if you stepped into a relationship with me, your focus won't be using my name for your benefit. It will be for the kingdom of God. What is lawlessness? When Jesus was asked, what are the two most important commandments? He said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. So when we do not put God first with all of who we are, we are practicing lawlessness. Can you see that connection? So many of us need to maybe take a moment and say, yo, what if I really look at myself honestly, what are the motivations for me as being a Christian? Am I Christian when it's comfortable? Do I use the Lord's name to further my own view of how people see me? What is really going on in this heart of mine, in this spirit of mine? Who shall ascend the holy hill of God? Who shall stand in the holy place? Who shall enter the kingdom of God? The righteous. Those who have been justified. That is the answer to the question. We can only be made righteous and justified if the legal requirement of the punishment of the law of God has been fulfilled. Because we are born in sin and because God has put his law in place, as long as the law is in place and we are under the law and not under grace through Jesus Christ, the law will come and find us and we will have to pay the price for contravening the law of God. Does that make sense? We are unrighteous because of our sinful nature and because of that we are heading for an eternity apart from God but listen to this good news 2 Corinthians 5 21 for he made him he's talking about God and Jesus for God made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us another translation says to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him. How can we be, how Jesus says, depart from me for I never knew you. If we are in him, he knows us. 
We are made righteous through Jesus. Jesus became sin. The thing that God hates the most, the thing that God cannot be a part of, He let His own Son become that. Why? This is the good news, people. So that we can be free from sin and eternal death. He took it upon Himself. He took it upon Himself. That is how much He loves you that He did that. Out of His love for us, He laid down His life and the one who never sinned took sin upon Himself and He took the punishment that goes with sin. He didn't just take the sin, He took the punishment that was meant for each and every one of us. Because of Jesus' suffering and death on the cross, it is just if I'd never sinned. But how am I justified? How can it be for me, for you, that we can say it is just if I'd never sinned, that I'm justified? How can we say that? I need to realize these truths. I need to realize that I am a sinner heading for hell. I am. And someone needs to save me from that inevitable destiny. I need to realize I'm a sinner in need of someone to save me. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus' name literally means Savior. The Bible says whoever believes in His name shall be saved. Many people read that superficially. And they believe that I must just believe Jesus exists. I must just believe He is the Son of God. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. James says in the book of James that even the demons believe Jesus exists and they tremble in fear because of the Son of God. When we believe in the name of Jesus, it means we believe in the meaning of His name and who He is, because that's what a name does. It tells you who someone is and their purpose. That's what a name should be. Some people name their children stuff they should never have named them. Jesus means the one who saves. So when I believe in His name, I don't just believe that He exists. I don't just believe that He's the Son of God. And I cannot stand on that as a, as a thing that saves me from hell. I have to know that He saved me from something. So when I believe in His name, I believe that He is the Savior. And that He saved me from something. You see, we've cheapened the gospel. We've cheapened it. We want to use the parts that suit us. But when it gets down and dirty... When it gets to that core of us where we, I don't want to give that. I don't want to show that. I don't want to do that because I like these things in my life. It gets difficult. But this is where the true believers of God are separated from the ones who Jesus will say, I never knew you. And we need to realize that. I've, I think I've told you this once. One time I was asked to, to speak at a, at a men's event in Richards Bay. And I said, God, why do I tell these people? Because the church got them there with a car show. <laughs> They're like, we need to get lost people saved. Let's put some cars in the lot and we'll get them in and tell them the gospel. Heinz, you tell them the gospel. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so now I'm looking at this hall of about 450 men. 
And I'm going, Holy Spirit, what do I say to them? And just there the Lord said to me, tell them there are only two groups of people in front of you right now. Those who are saved and those who are not saved. And tell them this, in the group that's not saved, there's a bunch of them that think they are. But they need to hear today that they are not. Because they are cultural Christians. They're just going through the motions. They're just going through the religious rituals that they were taught as children. But they do not know me. And I stood there and I said that and it became very quiet. But about 45 men gave their heart to Jesus that day. Because the word of God is a double-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow. Another way to say it, the word of God, the truth of God, cuts through all your nonsense. It cuts through all your excuses. It cuts through everything that you want to put in the way and go, you're but this and you're but that and no but my argument and no but the universe and no but, you know, this philosophy. and I'm coming for your heart. I'm coming for who you really are. That's what the word of God does. And I've got, I've, I've shared the good news with you, but now I have a little bit of bad news for you. You have now heard the good news. You've got no excuse. And if you want to see people saved, bring them to church, because they will hear the truth. Because we love them so much. When we realize this, that Jesus is a Savior, when I realize that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I realize that Jesus is the Savior, then I get to a moment where I repent. What does repentance mean? Repentance mean. The Greek word for repentance is metanoia. Some of you will know this. It's called metamorphosis. It's a complete change. It's a complete turnaround. If I was facing you like this right now, this is my sinful life, my brokenness. I'm heading for hell. I fall out of agreement with that. And I see that Jesus is my Savior. I step, I turn around, I turn my back on my sin and my past. And I say, Jesus, I will follow you and you alone. And I leave that behind. That is metanoia. The, the, the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew word for repentance is sheen bait. And it means to burn down the house. To leave completely behind. Now if you combine those two things and you say that whatever was my past, whatever is the unrighteousness that I was born into, today I choose that that house burns down. And I turn around completely from that and I run towards Jesus Christ. That is what happens. Now, a lot of people confuse the love of God and the freedom of the gospel message with judgment. I had a conversation recently with people where this came up. And I, and I realized so many people say, yes, but God is love. And because He's love, he, you know, he will do this and He will do that. I'm like, that's not what the Bible teaches. And then they will go, yeah, but you, know, you can't tell people that that is wrong. So, but I, I don't tell them it's wrong. God said it's wrong. And when I say wrong, I mean not His will for an amazing life on earth. Because why would He create you and tell you how to live and lie about it? God made us with an original plan. And He said, okay, like anything you can think of, a great invention 
your car that's standing out there, it came with a handbook. Don't do this because the car will break. And we understand that. And we even respect that. And some people are pedantic about that. But when it comes to your spirit, man, when it comes to eternity, you're like, I'll wing it. What? That is insanity. But we've, we've made it normal. We've made it normal. Like, I'll, I'll just ignore the potter that made this vessel, and I will tell the potter that I'm not happy. And I, will, I want it to look like this, and I want it to be that, and what do you know? That's what we do. We have this level of rebellion against the creator of the universe who spoke light into being. We want to tell him how to do things. When he said with so much love, this is why I made you. And here is how you should live. And when you live like this, you will have life and life to the full. But if you step out of line, there will be consequences. The worst one of which is you will end up in hell. But more than that, while you are here, you will feel like hell. Because you will be out of sync with who you really are. You will be out of whack with what I've called you to be. And you will try and try and try to fill the void and try to fill the emptiness and do this and take that drug and sleep with that person. And you'll do all these things in an attempt to feel better. And you'll wake up every day feeling, I'm not there. And you will wonder why. One of the definitions of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. This time, maybe this time, maybe this time. Don't be insane. What was that joke they used to have? This is Bob. Bob does this. Be like Bob. (laughs) Bob loves Jesus. He gave his life to him. He understands that he needs a savior. Be like Bob. Yo, I, I, I keep asking Holy Spirit to show me how to communicate this in the most effective way so that each and every one of you get it. Because... I don't, I don't just want to stand here and say the truth and, and you go, wow, that's amazing. No. It has to come on the inside of who you are and it has to go, whoa. Oh, my word. And I'll get to why. Because repentance is step one. Once I realize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, I repent. And I turn to God. What comes out of repentance? I'm going to take you back to 2 Corinthians 5. I read verse 21. Let's read the verses that runs up to that. From verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, All things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Through? Through good works? No. Through Jesus Christ. Through being nice to other people? No. Through loving the universe? No. Through healing animals? No. Through Having massive philanthropic events. No. Through Jesus Christ and Him alone. 
Uncle Angus says it all the time. Good people don't go to heaven. Believers go to heaven. <sighs> Through Jesus Christ. And He has given us what? The ministry of reconciliation. Being made right with God. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. When I repent, I am now ready to be saved. Have you ever tried to save someone that does not want to be saved? Lifesavers will tell you this. It's the hardest thing. When you come to someone in the water... And they think you're either attacking them or making it harder. I don't know what it is. But there's something that happens to the psyche of someone who's busy drowning. They attack the person that tries to save them. Sometimes lifesavers actually has to knock them unconscious just to get them out of the water. And that's how some of us are. Don't save me. I don't need saving. I know what I'm doing. And you drown. And then you're surprised that you drowned. I mean, I look at the world and people go, did you see what happened? I can't believe it. Why not? They are running the world with the prince of the power of the air, the one who is in charge of the sons of disobedience, and you are surprised? Why? Why are you surprised? They are running an evil agenda. They are doing exactly what Satan wants them to do. And the saddest thing is when he gets hold of Christians. And they're like, yeah, well, I'll just, you know, I know the scripture says that, but. I know this and I know that, but. Yeah, I, re I know, but, you know, people don't like that verse. It's really offensive. The world looks the way it does. Because the average person who calls themselves a Christian is not really saved. Because they never really repented. And then some have done that, but they have decided to compromise the Word of God and to live some of it that makes sense and fits into my schedule. And the rest, eh. That's why the world looks the way it does. When you speak to the average man that's going through a tough time, you ask him, how much time are you spending with God? Eh. Dude, there's your problem. Your problem is not your job. Your problem is not your boss. Your problem is not money. It's you saying that you're a Christian and doing it the world's way. It's insanity. Let's be honest. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Repentance means to realize I need a Savior to turn from my old life and towards God and to say, here I am. I want to be your child, Jesus. I want to live for you. And then I make a decision, as 1 John 4 says so beautifully, to be born of God. 
And that is my second birth, is when I choose to die to self, this past of mine, this unrighteous living, and I say, I am now dead to self, and then I become alive in Christ. Did you see how many times Paul said, the mind that sins against God? What, is the, what does he say in Christ? We now have the mind of Christ. What did we just finish? A whole series on our thought life and the battles that we fight in our thought life. And Paul tells us in Romans 12 that we, be, we need to be not conformed to this world, which we, that's actually what we're talking about, to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What does that mean? It's a process of getting our minds in line with the mind of Christ. It's a process of now I am a new creation in Christ because I did repent and I am saved. Now I start to walk this road of sanctification with Jesus, daily giving myself to Him and saying, I, this is all about you. This is all for you. But you will be faced with compromising thoughts. But I've already given you the tools thanks to Paul and the Word of God. And I want you to go and use them to say that, I have weapons that are mighty in warfare in God for pulling down strongholds and lofty ideas and every argument that raises itself up against God and the knowledge of God. Because it will happen. You will walk out of here today. Maybe you're having a moment right now going, shucks, I need to get saved. Yes, you do. But maybe you also realize, man, I've been, I did give my life to Jesus, but now I've started to do things my way. Some of that stuff on the list in, in, in Corinthians makes me very uncomfortable because I've done that. And I'm practicing it daily. It's not who I am in Christ. But I'm trying to make it be who I am in Christ. And I've got all kinds of excuses why. What are you going to do when you walk out of here? Conform to the world? Do what the prince of the power of the air wants you to do? Or say, Jesus, Jesus, I know you. You know me. I am intimate with you. I want to do things your way. I love you so much. Thank you for showing me the way. I want to spend time in your word. Not because I have to, because I want to. Because I love you so much. I want to spend time worshiping you. Not because I have to, because I want to. Because I love you so much. When we are truly, when we truly have repented and we truly have become saved, we are a new creation that wants to be with God. You want it. Otherwise, you did not get saved because you probably didn't repent properly. Can you see how it builds on each other? Lots of people have run to the front in millions of churches around the world and put their hands in the air and say yes to Jesus. And in an emotional moment, they think they're making a decision. But for many people, it was just a hype moment. And the fruit is not on their lives. And it's not just that the church is to blame. It's that we don't take the Word of God seriously. We want to sort of have seconds from someone else. When God has said, no, it's available to all. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in the holy place? It's them who have repented gotten born again because in Christ Jesus they are made new and righteous and justified so they may stand in the holy place. If you want to make that decision today,
I want to invite you to do that. Maybe today you've heard the gospel for the first time. Maybe you thought you've heard the gospel before. But it's like, whoa, this is different. If that's you today, you want to make a decision to follow Christ. Will you please put up your hand just where you're sitting right now and say, yes, I want, to, I want to repent and be saved. That's me. Is there anyone like that here today? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes we use the, the piano as a reason to put our hands up. But it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is talking to you right now. He's working in your heart right now. Anyone else? I'm not going to make you close your eyes. Because Jesus says, who honors me in front of man, I will honor in front of the Father. This is, this is the boldness that is needed. So us to say, I'm going I'm to give it all. I'm going to lay it all down. Can I ask that we all stand, please? I'm going to ask those two hands that I saw, and if there's anyone else, to please come to the front. Please come to the front. You're so welcome. You just come here. Thank you, Jesus. Please come to the front. I saw that one gentleman in the front there, and the lady. Please come to the front. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Make space for them, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Anyone else want to give their lives to Jesus today? Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray for them, and I'm going to give a chance for the, for the rest of us that may feel, listen, the Holy Spirit convicted me today. There's some stuff I need to make right to, to pray for that as well. Um, Esmeri, can you stand with her? And um, who's near Paul? Can you stand with, with him, please? Thank you. We're going to pray with them. As they repeat after me, Lord Jesus, today I choose to repent of my sin, of my old ways. I choose to turn to you, to give my life, to give my all to you. Today I choose, Lord Jesus, to make you Lord of my life. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I accept that and I forgive myself for all of my past because of what you have done. Holy Spirit, come make your home in me. Come and lead me, strengthen me and teach me as I become a new creation today. I pray that in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. The Bible says there's great rejoicing in heaven if one sinner comes to Christ. We want to give you guys a Bible and just tell you more about Connect and everything else. So please don't run away. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. For those of us who have walked with God, who have repented, who have been saved, and you maybe feel today like, sure, God has called me to so much more. His word, His standard of holiness, it seems impossible. And I have slipped up, I've messed up, I've sinned. 
And maybe even you realize there's some stuff I'm practicing that's on that list that is unrighteous. I want you to take a moment right now. Close your eyes and just focus on Jesus. And come raw, vulnerable, real. And just say to Him today, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I want you to name this sin right now. If you don't want to say it out loud so others can hear it, just put your hand over your mouth. But say what you're repenting for. Say what you want to bring to the light. Say, Lord, I repent of this. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Make me new. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Make it like it once was. I want to be close to you, Jesus. I want to be intimate with you. Some of us may need to say, I'm sorry I've compromised my time with you. I'm sorry that the things on my calendar are more important than you. Some of us need to confess that I've made money my God. I've made my ambition my God. Just bring it all before Him and say, Lord, forgive me. I repent. The Bible says in 1 John, if we repent, He is faithful to forgive. Now accept His forgiveness. Accept what He has done on the cross. Some of you might have to say, I forgive myself in Jesus' name. And I'm set free in Him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just sense that chains are breaking and people are being set free right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come and do your work. Come and do your work. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Do your work, Lord. Do your work, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for this moment. Thank you that you have forgiven us and that in you we are made righteous and we can ascend the hill of the Lord. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I bless everyone here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Amen. Have a wonderful Sunday. We love you. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Come on. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast Message of the Week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.